Hello, everybody. This is Hondo Carpenter from Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, Las Vegas Raiders Insider Podcast, part of the Fans First Sports Network. <clears throat> and let me tell you, been working the phones a lot today. Got a lot of information coming to you. Just kind of what's going on around the Raiders. Got multiple topics. Now, I need to tell you a couple things before we get going today. First of all, thank you all for watching. We are growing exponentially. Tens of thousands of you watching our podcast. Greatly appreciate it. And you guys really, without you, it's just one guy talking into a camera. So I want you to know we don't take you for granted. We greatly appreciate you. Thank you for watching, sharing, and, and being subscribing and being part of this network. And reading everything in, <clears throat> that we write and, and, of course, what we say and do. So couple of things. When OTAs get started, fans are super excited, and I don't blame them. They're fans because how are the rookies looking? How are the rookies looking? And, and I'm going to say something to you. I've seen a lot of people, not just rookies, who look great in shorts. And I don't really get into a lot on the rookies until we start getting into training camp and start getting into pads because it's a whole different world when the pads get on. Um. I just I'll, I'll make a general observation about the rookies from what I'm being told, but it's not going to be my own personal evaluation. A lot of today's podcast is going to be talking to people who have been at practice, who have been into some of the um, meetings and been into some things that are not necessarily team run, but player run. Going to give you a lot of information, going to also give you some updates on a lot of different players. So Without any further ado, let's just get right into it today. Now, you're going to have to forgive me because I've got my uh, phone here. Oops, as soon as I can find it, I don't know where it went, but it's around here somewhere. Oh, right here. So I got my phone, and I'm going to be reading you a couple texts that I got. And I got my note here because I want to make sure I cover everything I've got information on for you. So we're going to start with Jimmy G. Now, I want to go back because I already addressed this in a podcast about the PFT reports that they weren't worried. They weren't concerned. It's a cleanup. I talked to multiple players uh, and people in the organization and people around the NFL, multiple. And everyone's telling me that he looks great, that he's working hard. Um, he's not out there with the team, but he's around. The players see him all the time. They like him. He's building rapport. And I understand when reports come out, people want to panic. They want to assume the worst. And that's certainly your right. On this podcast, we don't tell you what to think. That's not the way we operate. It's not the way we roll. You guys are allowed to think whatever you want. Our job is to give you information and then allow you to process that information, assimilate it, and come up with your own opinion. We told you nearly immediately after that report a while ago, there's nothing has really changed, that they looked at him, they wanted some things cleaned, but they signed up. Now, a lot of people have been emailing me about, well, he signed a waiver, he signed a waiver. That's not uncommon in the National Football League. I, right off the top of my head, can think of probably 30 40 players that have done that in their career that I mean, that's just off the top of my head. If I thought about it longer, I, I I would come up with more. So that was really an irrelevant idea. Now I have said, and I stand by it. If Josh, if Jimmy Garoppolo plays 17 games, 
I think the Raiders win nine. And I think Josh and Dave deserve all of the credit. I would not have signed Jimmy. Great guy, great player, competitor, winner, awesome in the locker room. I love Jimmy Garoppolo. But his inability to stay healthy is too big of concern when you're Dave and Josh and you're trying to build your franchise and you got to keep it moving forward. But they did. But I'm just telling you, there is nobody. Now, let me just read a couple of texts, if you don't mind. This comes from someone very familiar with the situation, very much part of the situation that said, I think Jimmy looks fantastic. I have zero concerns he's not going to be ready by training camp. That guy's a fighter. He's a baller. He's ball out. Love him. Okay, that was a, a player who sees him on a regular basis. Um, here's another one. I'd be stunned if he's not ready. In fact, I'd be downright shocked. Looks great. Good dude. Okay, again, multiple of these. And these are not people who are standing on the sidelines like me. These are people in the building that would be around him and see him. He's around all the time. So, again, I think the biggest concern with Jimmy Garoppolo is not whether or not he's ready by the season. He's going to be by every indication of the people I talk to. To me, the biggest issue with Jimmy Garoppolo is whether he can stay healthy. But I can tell you right now, uh, he's on track. He looks great. Everybody's happy with him. I would expect that they're going to go slow with him in training camp, that he'll be out there and working, but go slow with him because there's no reason to try. They know what he's got. He's a veteran. So there's no reason to try to, to, to do more than is necessary. They're going to walk with caution. But again, I have zero concerns that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be healthy when the season starts. Next, we come to Hunter Renfro. Now, as you know, I reported for months, and to the best of my knowledge, was the first to report, at least I'm the only first one I knew of, that I don't expect Hunter Renfro to be on this roster when the season starts. I also reported that I didn't expect anything to happen after, until after June 1st because of salary cap. A lot of people asking me, what do I know about the situation? Where is it at? I'm going to go back and reiterate some things to you and then give you some information moving forward. The Raiders have no desire to get rid of Hunter. And they they love him. They, they believe in him. And But at the same time, it doesn't mean they wouldn't deal him. Obviously, I expect him to be gone by the time the season starts. I'm not reporting any trade is imminent. But so obviously, I think they would. Um, but the Raiders are in a unique position. They've got a lot of receivers, but they, they're not giving Hunter Renfro away. Now, his cost is probably not like a lot of fans think. I saw somebody say, trade him for a one or two ones. It's not going to happen. He's got multiple concussions. He's had injuries. He's not going for that price or anywhere close. That's not going to happen. So I was asked this week, if you think the Raiders are going to move him, what do you think they move him for? I think ideally they'd like to get a third or a fourth. I think a third is 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 dreaming pretty heavy. I think a fourth is a possibility, but I think it probably ends up going for about a fifth rounder. Now, they're not going to give him away. So they're going to make him stick around. And the longer that he does, what if other teams have injuries or other things happen or other teams maybe aren't performing as well as they do? Maybe his value goes up a little bit. Someone said, well, what's the danger if they get stuck with him? Well, first of all, you got a great guy, 
great teammate, great worker, great receiver. And they didn't want to get rid of him. So I think the Raiders are being smart. They're playing long ball here. I still expect them to be gone. But um, that's the latest on the situation there. Next, I want to talk about Josh Jacobs. So I fully expect Josh Jacobs to be there when the season starts. I believe, based on the people I'm talking to, um, that have direct information, that are directly involved, that Josh will play. If he does not have a long-term deal, um, it could go right up to training camp. I don't think it would go that. I think it would. I think he would come in before the end of training camp, but could go to tra- to the end of training camp. And we'd sign his franchise tag. Josh wants to be a Raider long term. The Raiders want Josh to be a Raider long term. So here's where the not conniption, but here's where the <clears throat> um, situation is. It's both t- both parties have a different ideal about what a long-term deal is. And so there's the semantics of what's a long-term deal to you, what's a long-term deal to me. Um, there's the semantics of what about guaranteed money? What about not guaranteed money? I know there's been some noise with players, um, I believe former players coming out saying, you know, they need to hold out and get what they're worth. Okay, that's a viable option. The problem is, as you saw with Lamar Jackson, who's willing to pay what you want? And if the Raiders got him under franchise, there's nothing he can do. Still going to make a lot of money. And so, again, I think they're trying to – I don't think anything's active. I think both parties know what they want. Um, I don't think it's negotiation every day. But uh, there's no hostility. Raiders want him. Josh wants to be here. I saw some reports the other day that Josh was angry, uh, mad at the Raiders, wanted to move on. I can tell you unequivocally, as of the taping of this, that's not the case at all. That both parties want to be together. It's working out the deal. So, again, if you don't see Josh, you know, I I don't think it's a big deal. He doesn't need the wear and tear in his body, which is part of the reason why the Raiders – and the NFL teams don't like to sign guys to second long-term deals, number one. But number two, it's going to be a lot more reps for some young running backs like a Zamir White and Britton Brown in camp who need more. I'm going to tell you right now, I think Zamir benefits from Josh, and I don't think there's a lot of Raider in, uh, inside the buildings that are frustrated with it. Everybody's pretty content. Okay, now I want to talk to you about um, uh, Brian Hoyer. This was fascinating to me. Um, now, in the interest of fair, full disclosure, Brian is my friend, um, very close to his family, dad, mom, brothers, sisters, grandmother, when she was alive, all of them. And Brian's the one who taught my son how to throw football, and he played quarterback for years. Um, and again, I say all that not bragging. I say that because I am always willing to give information because you may think, man, Hondo's being biased because Brian's his friend. I don't believe that I am, but I'm still going to tell you because I want to give you all the information so then you can make a judgment on what you think. Uh, Brian Hoyer has looked outstanding, and I understand it's in shorts, 
but he is a veteran. Um, I was told, matter of fact, I'll, I'll read you one text that came. Um, well, this is early in the morning. It came late last night, just a short time ago. Um, this is what it said. Find it fascinating the way Brian knows this offense inside and out. He is a great addition, helping guys get to the right spots, telling people where to go. <clears throat> a class act, a great veteran who knows exactly where everything has to happen. This is good for us. Now, that comes from a guy who is a defender saying, hey, this is what Brian Hoyer's brought. We told you Brian Hoyer <clears throat> was going to be like another coach, and he's been like that. And so he's been great. Remember, Brian Hoyer, when he's had a tight end, when he's had a wide receiver, has been very effective as a quarterback, very effective. He's just been in a lot of situations where his job was to mentor or he sat behind Tom Brady. And so this is a guy, you don't bring Brian Hoyer in to be your long-term quarterback. He's a 15-year veteran. <clears throat> and in fairness to Brian, you don't bring anyone in to be your long-term backup. But you do bring him in. He's got a two-year deal. <clears throat> you do bring him in to work with your young quarterbacks to be his insurance policy if your old guy gets injured. But to coach and to teach, Brian's been a great influence on the team. People love him. He's been great. His ability to put people in. And here's the cool part. The Raiders came in, and they're already ahead of last year because last year everything was new. And so then they come in this year, which I find to be very fascinating. And they got Brian Hoyer. So everyone already kind of knows who's a veteran. The non-veterans are getting coaching by the veterans. And, of course, O'Brien Hoyer, who's a veteran slash coach. It's just made camp go a lot smoother. In fact, I was told by one person, the smoothness of camp from last year to this year isn't even close. Excuse me. I'm sorry about my voice. I'm going to get a quick drink. Isn't even close. And so when they uh, – these guys are helping everybody. They know now what Josh wants. They know what Josh expects. They get it. They understand it. And, again, more than one player has told me, Brian, let me, let me read you one more. I thought this one was pretty unique. This one says, just wanted to tell you, boy, Brian's been a blessing to this team. He sure has helped everybody adjust. It's been great knowing what's expected, having the reference to last year and what we understand. But Brian sure has helped. Offensive player. That's a great one right there. That's a good reference on Brian. <clears throat> Next, when I did my first podcast on what am I learning from OTAs part one, I talked about a loaded defensive tackle room next to Jade Silvera. So you got Silvera, you got Byron Young, Neil Farrell, Matthew Butler. Now, I was very open that Matt Butler and Neil Farrell needed to understand they're on the chopping block. They did not have good rookie campaigns. There were games, they got paid, and were told, don't dress. Ouch. Okay? So after my first OTA, I talked about how loaded the, the room was and even got into, <clears throat> do they carry more than five defensive tackles? I think they're going to probably take six. But I want to talk specifically about Neil Farrell and then Matthew Butler for a minute. Yeah. Neil Farrell according to everyone I'm speaking to, 
looks amazing. His effort. Um, I had one player tell me, I don't know, and this is a paraphrase, but he said, I don't know that he knew how to work hard last year. He came from LSU where the talent's great and all that was great, but he was great. But at this level, everyone is. And it wasn't that he was lazy. I don't want you to hear that. But sometimes guys don't know what they can give. If you've ever seen the movie Facing the Giants, where the offensive lineman down in a bear crawl carrying a guy in his back and the coach blindfolds him. Great, great movie scene. Because he said, <clears throat> when you can't see, you don't limit yourself to what you can do. And a lot of people, I've had more than one person use the term for Neil Farrell, the light bulb came on. So I think that's really, really good for him. Um, came in in a great shape. Same with Matthew Butler. He came in in very good shape. And, and he's he's getting it. Both of these guys, I'm told, are better than when the season ended. Both physically and mentally, they're getting it. They're understanding it. So let's stay there for a minute. The Raiders took five defensive tackles on their original 53-man roster. If, if you got Silvera making it and Byron Young, Farrell, Butler, those are four guys in their rookie or sophomore campaign under contract at a very important position. You figure Bilal Nichols will make it and Jerry Tillery. They're six. I mean, Tillery maybe is in a battle with another one of those guys. But anyways, I think you can see they're loaded there. Now, I understand if people don't like Josh McDaniels or people – you know, don't like the, the direction of the program, they uh, the franchise, the organization. They can say whatever they want, and I get that. I'm not trying to tell you what to think. I'm not trying to be a hype man. I'm just telling you the reality is the Raiders are better at defensive tackle. Even if Butler and Farrell fall off in training camp, they're still better. There's a ton of competition. And I read – I got a, a note, if I can find it. Here it is. This is an email I got from an NFL executive that said, man, lots of talent in LV at that defensive tackle spot. We're going to be a little short, keeping a close eye. A lot of people going to be circling around that room. Can't keep them all. thought that was a fascinating email. So, again, even around the NFL, people understand defensive tackle is going to be a major upgrade. Then we come to a guy I want to really talk about, Nate Hobbs. Um, Nate had a very, um, I don't know if very bad, it's probably too strong, didn't have a good sophomore campaign, was injured, absolutely injured. <clears throat> but I think they know now they got to get him back into the slot more. And Nate has looked very fluid. Uh, one person told me, um, it's night and day the way he's flipping his hips just that that they think and I haven't had a chance to talk to Nate I'm gonna get that chance this week but they about it but it looks like he's really worked a ton on his agility that the just the way he flips his hips I expect him to get back um playing inside a little bit more this year but I was told by a lot of people it certainly is the appearance that again, no pads are in shorts. We're not trying to make too much out of it. But Nate's flipping of his hips looks tremendously better. Um, he didn't have a bad attitude at all this year. He came in again with another great attitude. A lot of people 
um, talking about Nate Hobbs. Now, uh, Trayvon Morig, this is another guy that had a really good sophomore campaign, go into his, uh, I mean, had a very good freshman campaign. His sophomore campaign was not good. In my opinion, the Raiders just did not use him very well. I was very critical of the coaching, but obviously Josh McDaniels wasn't too concerned about it. So, you know, Josh was like, hey, I'm keeping him. All right. And he kept his staff and he should. It's his staff. But there's been a lot of work. And I really want to credit the Raiders on this because the players are talking a lot about it. There's been a lot of work at these guys scouting their own coaching and scouting their own players. And a lot of the players, you know, last year there wasn't a lot they could do. It was their first campaign. But I've had a ton of players tell me it is noticeable. Multiple guys going up to players, showing them things on film that they picked up on over the offseason, that the coaching has been tremendously good. And that's coming from players. Not heard one coach talk about it. Haven't talked to one coach about it. But I'm going to uh, this week talk to Josh about that. But that they that they seem like, okay, these guys now know who we are. There's been a lot of coaching, a lot of self-scouting. And the players have been impressed with the coaching, which I found to be um, very interesting. I thought that was really cool how they're breaking it down. So I, I, I think you're going to see with Trayvon, um, there was a lot of work done with him showing him film the difference between the first and second year. So I said after the season that when you have two players with good freshman campaigns that go backwards as a sophomore, you got to look at your coaching, coaching staff. Josh did that. Josh is fine with his coaching staff, but you can tell that there were some things – all around at multiple positions, all three parts of the game, special teams, offense, defense, that he didn't like, and he picked up on some self-scouting. And I like that the players are liking being coached. I think that's pretty cool. Next, I want to talk about uh, Divine Diablo. This guy, if you watch the public press conference, you heard um, defensive coordinator Patrick Graham talk about he's swole. He just looks huge. He's gotten big. But I'm going to tell you something. The players are liking him. And I was told yesterday, yep, yesterday, I keep remembering, it's early in the morning, sorry. But yesterday by a player that, good guy, by the way, they really like him. They've always liked Divine Diablo. But it, that a couple times in uh, these OTAs, he's spoken up. He's talking to the defensive line. He's communicating and they really like that, that, that not only is he bigger, there's comfort. They just feel like he's kind of moved into a role and he's got some comfort now. So I think that's interesting. Now, let's be very blunt. None of this matters if when the pads come on, it doesn't translate to real football. We all understand that. But I'm still trying to give you updates on the organization and things I'm learning and what's going on just so you can be aware of what's happening. Then, again, I want to talk about the last thing, and I, I think this is probably the most important, and that is competition. Um, I want to go back to the Patriots, which I know gets me a ton of hate mail. I know this is the Raiders, 
but you still want to go back to the Patriots because that's where Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler cut their teeth. It's what they know. And so I, I think you're seeing something happen right now with the Raiders that I'm going to be able to best illustrate when I go back to the Patriots. The Patriots are never huge spenders in free agency. That's why it shocked a lot of people that they signed Devontae Adams last year. It doesn't mean they were not willing to do it. They just didn't do it every year. So I think a lot of people got a false sense with what they did last year with Devontae. Oh, my goodness, they're going to do, you know, spend big like that every year. It isn't the case. They go get Jacoby, which was a big deal. But what happened is, is they bring in a lot of guys to fill roles. And they create a huge amount of competition because they like competition. Now, I'm a free market capitalist. I love competition. I think it's fantastic. I like it in every area, especially when you get to football. Because guys know now. I mean, Matthew Butler and Neil Farrell, by all accounts, are practicing different, seem to have a much greater um, understanding of the scheme, all of it, better shape physically, all of it. You don't think it's stuck out to those two guys when they start signing free agents? You don't think it sticks out to those guys when they have their end-of-the-year meeting and their coordinator and position coach and head coach tell them, listen, we're going to go sign some free agents. We're going to draft some people. You know, you know, we understand it was a rookie campaign, but it's a what have you done for me league. Competition does that. Every single player and part of the organization that I've spoken to has talked about the competitive nature right now. All these guys there, and this is optional. Now, later this week, we get into mandatory, but the optional work, all the players at every position, everybody knows I'm competing for my job. Everybody knows it. And I think that's the fascinating part of this camp that what they've done more than anything is they have brought in a lot of good players and guys that, that, that have a genuine uh, future in this league after training camp. And they filled in a lot of roster spots and said, okay, go compete. I think that is something that Raider nation, if they were honest, when um, Josh and Dave were hired would have said that's something that they thought was missing from the Raiders franchise. I think it's something that was missing under the previous regimes. It was, Hey, we want this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. Great. We got him hired. Then they would go get guys that you knew didn't have a shot. I mean, there are tons of guys competing right now for spots and I will have my um, way too early 53 man roster prediction coming up after um, this would be next week, probably come the first of that of that following week. So we're looking probably, you know, two weeks from today, right around there. But you've got great guys, and it's a battle. In the past, I sat down, wrote out my roster, and maybe would have one player different, maybe two. But it was easy. That's not easy this year. It's a lot of work. And I think as a Raider fan, that should encourage you. That's something that 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 should matter to you. Now, what can you expect this week? Mandatory minicamp. So everybody has to be there. And my observations, you know, we're still not looking at guys banging the, the daylights out of each other in pads. 
there's going to be some things I'm going to be looking for. <clears throat> Not going to necessarily tell you what those are right now. Um, I'm going to keep those to myself, but I'm going to keep a lot of notes. And I expect my podcast on what did I learn from Raiders minicamp at the end of this week to be very enlightening, very enlightening with a lot of information. So from all of us here at Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, Las Vegas Raiders Insider Podcast, part of the Fan Sports Network, thank you for joining us. Again, those are all the updates. Let's just hit the highlights again. I expect Josh Jacobs to play. Both parties want a marriage. It's just a come into an understanding of what's a long-term look like, what kind of guaranteed money looks like. Then uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, everybody on progress. Man, they really like him, and he's working hard. He's working really, really hard. And Hunter Renfro, don't expect the Raiders to give him away, so they don't mind holding him. But do, I still, 100%, don't expect him back. Uh, when the season starts, I think somebody will pay a price. But if not, Nothing wrong with bringing Hunter back to your team. There is a bunch more in there, but those are the three big highlights I know that you're wondering about. And again, uh, several people ask me, what about Aiden O'Connell? What do you think of Aiden O'Connell? Hey, the guy's spinning the football, but there's no rush, and he's in shorts. So I'm not spending a lot of time talking about rookies. So there you go. We'll give you a lot more after this week's mini camp. Stay tuned every day for a podcast, hearing from coaches, hearing from players. we got a lot coming at you. Thanks for listening, everybody. God bless you. I hope you had a wonderful and safe weekend. Have a good one. This has been a Las Vegas Raiders Insider production on the Fans First Sports Network. Whoa.